0: conductive wire. and you were so electric i had no say when you came so near and just right through me hey everyone welcome to geekdom is back today i am joined by milton lawson a newcomer on the podcast so milton why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself tell our guests tell our listeners a little about what you do
1: Hello, thanks for having me. I am Milton Lawson. I'm a comic book writer based out of Houston, Texas, and I'm also a huge cinephile. So uh, the movie theater is sort of like my cathedral, so every weekend I'm usually catching a, at least one or two movies. Um, and I've also recently directed a documentary film about the comic convention experience from the point of view of comic book creators that's me.
0: Well, I am glad to have you on so we can talk all about the decade in film. So we're going through 2010 to 2019 talking about some of our favorite films. And I will admit off the top here, I have not really been huge on going to the movies for the entire decade. It's something that started more towards the tail end of the decade. So around, you know, 2017, when I got movie pass and then turned that into a AMC Stubbs A list subscription because that happened to be more convenient because they weren't blocking out what times you could and couldn't go to the movie. But that aside, I do think that between the two of us there's very little overlap in comparison with our lists. So Milton, why don't you go ahead and give us your 25 to 21 and Also, quick note, you have a video of these movies, so I will include that link in the show notes.
1: Thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, and as a preface to all of my comments about the sort of ranking system here, I did a top 25 movies of the decade video based off of the format of the film critic David Ehrlich. He does a similar kind of style, a rundown, a supercut of the best films of the year every year. And that's one of my favorite things to look forward to at the end of the year when he posts his video. And I just felt like I wanted to get in on the game and did it myself. One of the things I learned in the process was uh, the video is marrying imagery and music. So in order to uh, have the video flow correctly, I had to group in Uh, a handful of films, so that they would all fit a certain piece of music together. So the ranking system here has a lot more to do with the music choices than it has to do with my actual quote unquote, you know, ranking.
0: That totally makes sense. And I am glad you prefaced it with that, because I would have never known (laughs) otherwise. I think, you know, I am someone who does not like ranking. So it's one of those things where I was like, all right, I'm gonna look at my letterboxd I'll look at that decade, and then I'll put down what 25 would probably make my list, but I'm not putting them in any sort of order. So we're kind of going to do something a little different for my list.
1: Cool, cool. Well, yeah, and, and once you're talking about a span of time as big as a decade, if anything's in the conversation, you feel really strongly about it. So I would feel pretty good defending almost any one of these choices, you know. But yeah, I've I've given way too many prefaces here. Let me just dive right in from twenty-five to twenty-one. Number twenty-five, I went with Mission Impossible: Fallout. For twenty-four, I went Gravity. Twenty-three, Blade Runner twenty forty-nine. Twenty-two, Upstream Color, and for number twenty-one, Inception. And so this block has a lot of like sci-fi stuff in it. And uh, Upstream Color is probably the least well-known of those, but it was such a tremendous experience. I felt I had to recognize it.
0: Yeah, of course. And, you know, Mission Impossible Fallout is one that could have made my list. I think I rated it four stars. So it was kind of on that spot there where I was like, oh, what do I want to put in? And Inception, I just actually rewatched that one before we recorded this the other day. And I really just loved that movie. So I had to put it on my list, even though it was one that I initially hadn't even rated. And then so I finally went and rated it. But to start with some of my four star selections, we have Annihilation, Spotlight, Fruitvale Station, the invitation hereditary and ladybird and i know that's more than 5 which you just ran through but you know it was such a tight group because i have rated apparently a lot of movies 4 stars from the last decade so i was really struggling to sort of figure out which ones i think either held more significance to me or just to the film landscape in general and i think these movies had something to offer that was really great for movies in general in their given genres.
1: I I definitely agree on at least a couple of your choices there about uh, representing genres well. I I have to confess there's one in your four-star category that I don't think I know or recognize. Could you tell me a little bit about the film The Invitation? So that is
0: a horror movie and It was directed by Karen Kusama, who recently did Destroyer with Nicole Kidman. It was just one that so many people had recommended to me. And it's sort of like this locked house horror story. And you just get this group of people together and then things start getting weirder and weirder. And it just escalates from there. And it was so wild by the time you finished it. You were just so impressed with, or at least I was so impressed with how they got from the beginning to the end.
1: That sounds very intriguing. I'm going to have to check that out. Horror is my, generally my least favorite genre, but when it's done very well, such as in one of your other choices here, Hereditary, I, I I find it exceedingly entertaining, but the, the ones that don't make the cut to the, the highest caliber just bore me to death. And I really don't like the genre generally. But Hereditary completely blew me away. It it was definitely a contender for my top 25 as well. That was just a, a, a thrilling experience.
0: Yeah, it's just something where certain movies just hit you in a certain way. And I feel like that is sort of what determined what made, you know, my four star list, so to
1: speak. And I definitely uh, like the inclusion of Spotlight on your list. That that is also one of my favorites from the decade. I've watched that that movie uh, numerous times. It holds up so well. The performances are amazing, and just the procedural journalism genre in general. I'm I'm a sucker for that, and uh, I thought that was an extremely well done movie.
0: Yeah. Well, why don't you give us your 20 through 16 now? You have some here that. I think, are certainly worthy of a quick discussion.
1: Sure. Um, At 20, I've got Call Me By Your Name. At 19, Your Name. At 18, I've got A Separation. At 17, I've got Roma. And at 16, I've got 20th Century Women.
0: I quickly want to discuss your number 20 selection, Call Me By Your Name, because this was a more recent movie. And it was one I had some friends telling me to watch it again, which is how I end up watching a lot of movies that I normally wouldn't have been like, oh, I need to go see that in theaters. And it was a very moving movie. And it's something that easily could have been on my list next to Lady Bird. Because I feel like, while obviously totally different stories they kind of give you that same feeling when you're done watching them
1: sure and they, they they're joined to hit by the uh, presence of a uh, mr timothy chalamet there as well call me by your name was an interesting experience for me in one respect i wasn't completely blown away by the the minute i walked out of the theater i i just had a for some reason i had a different expectation I had no idea about... I didn't even know the genre. I didn't even know what the movie was about. But I knew one of my favorite online film critics just adored the movie. So I, I, I went to see it sight unseen. And I saw it at a like, weird time of day. And it just wasn't what I was expecting to see for whatever reason based on the comments from the critic. And then over the course of the next several days the memory of that film just stayed with me and stayed with me. And and I kept going back to moments in my head and it just had such a strong emotional impact over the years. My view uh, and opinion of it just grows and grows and grows.
0: Yeah. And Roma, your number 17 pick is actually a blind spot on my list because I just haven't gotten around to watching it. My Netflix watch list is overflowing with things that I probably should have watched by now, but just didn't get around to. And I will admit that foreign films are something that I never really got into a whole lot. So it's definitely something that I'm trying to work on. It's one of those things where you have to adjust to reading subtitles an entire movie and not necessarily, you know, watch Netflix and be on your phone. So I'm glad that you included that. Can you tell me a little bit about why you picked that one?
1: Sure. That one is a semi-autobiographical story from the amazing filmmaker, Alfonso Cuaron. And when I made this list, I I sort of imposed the rule on myself of only one film per director, but he's the one director that I cheated and had to at least include two from just because I, I think he's just such a fantastic director. Um, among the many gifts he has as a filmmaker is his his directorial eye and his collaboration with the cinematographers but in this case he even served as the cinematographer as well if if i remember correctly and the black and white photography is just stunning and the performances have a have an extra layer of credibility to them because the main characters are played by non-professional actors and he really uh, got lucky in casting a handful of roles where even though you can tell these people are not studied in quote-unquote acting school or whatever they deliver a truth uh, to their experience that just really comes across well on on screen and another thing that Alfonso Cuaron is known for is he has made a number of very long one-take shots. I don't know, did you see his film Children of Men?
0: I have not seen that one either.
1: That one has a famous moment uh, that's just one long tracking shot, and it involves some action as well. So it's kind of unbelievable um, what he's able to achieve in one shot. And in this film, I'm not going to spoil it, but he has two of those kind of signature trademark shots, and one of them is probably one of the most difficult shots i've ever had to encounter in a film it was so intense that i i literally looked away from the screen for a few seconds and i've never done that in a movie before like i I'm, I'm typically not bothered by like graphic content or anything if anything i'm just kind of usually just drawn to, you know, emotional intensity or whatever. But the intensity of this scene in particular was so brutal. I, I had to like avert my eyes for a few seconds.
0: Yeah, it is certainly telling how powerful a movie is when you kind of either cringe watching it or you just don't even want to watch it because they're sending this message that I think, you know, sometimes people don't really want to hear and it's really just hard to sort of face this kind of thing even in a movie
1: right and you mentioned that you're maybe gonna try to watch a few more foreign films i would also strongly recommend from this section on my list the film a separation that is a movie uh, made by an iranian filmmaker and it's set in present day And it deals with the complexities of a couple seeking uh, the legal process to dissolve their marriage um, in a very strict Islamist society. And uh, the universality of the experience, cutting through all of the cultural differences of everything is fascinating. And the the dramatist who made it, I think uh, he almost makes movies that are almost more like filmed plays. Um, And in fact, one of the films he did this decade, I can't recall it. I think it's called the salesman involved scenes that were actually in a play. Um, And so you've got that sort of human drama stripped of all, uh, you know, context or whatever, just uh, this really universal experience, but also within the context of modern Iranian society. So it's, it's just a super fascinating movie. And the two leads Uh, give incredible performances.
0: I will definitely be putting those on my list to get to soon. And I think it's sort of hard to really figure out what you want to watch at any given moment. So to have so many options and then, you know, have stuff like foreign films that maybe you aren't too sure about. But I did recently watch Tigers Are Not Afraid on Shudder and It was a very, very interesting horror movie. It didn't make my list, but I think it's one of those movies that will get people paying attention to foreign films some more. But I do want to quickly go over some of the ones that I had marked as watched in Letterboxd, but I didn't get around to ranking them because it was one of those things where I started using Letterboxd, but I wasn't going to sit there and rank every single movie or rate. So I had already seen The Wolf of Wall Street, The Social Network, Inside Lewin Davis, and Gone Girl before I started using Letterboxd. So those are movies that I love for all different reasons. Leo is a repeat guest on my list. And he is (laughs) definitely someone who brings out these powerful performances. And even though the Wolf of Wall Street was pretty wild because of how this guy lived his life, I felt like Leo just perfectly captured the essence of that performance. And, you know, those are probably somewhere in the four, four and a half to five star range. So I was like, all right, these definitely need to go on the list somewhere. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. And one of the frustrating things about the processes and institutions that we have to recognize great stuff in movies, um, there's this chase for the Oscar. And in many ways, the Oscar is considered the, you know, the pinnacle of that. Um, But the Academy Awards often make really big mistakes. And one of the genres of mistakes they do is they give the right person an award, but they give it to them for the wrong movie. So it's just kind of bizarre sometimes how that happens.
0: Yeah, it really is. And you see it talked about with all of the award show podcasts now, especially I follow one, it's called The Big Picture from The Ringer. And they're always talking about, oh, this person should win, but they're too young. So they're probably not going to give it to them yet. And I'm just like, this is the most ridiculous thing that they could do. It's like, just give the awards to the people who deserve them. Who cares if you would have given Meryl Streep five awards? (laughs) You know, it's like, just Give it to the best performance. It's not that hard, but apparently it is. But I don't want to get too sidetracked on award talk. So why don't you run through your 15 through 11?
1: So 15 through 11 at 15, I've got Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. 14, Avengers, Infinity War, and Endgame. I kind of cheated and had two movies in there. Uh, For 13, I had Florida Project. For 12, Ladybird. And for 11, Captain Fantastic.
0: So, this is where a good chunk of our overlap comes in because I already mentioned Ladybird. And then I have Spider Man Into the Spider Verse and Avengers Endgame both falling in those top ratings there for me. So, it's one of those things where, you know, I enjoy. A lot of the superhero movies. But I'm aware that when you look at them as a movie and how they impact the movie landscape, yes, they have an impact, but they're not, you know, necessarily the most interesting films, so to speak. But with Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse in particular, that just blew me away because of how it changed the animation landscape. Just to be created. It was done so well with so many different styles put into it. And I did recently do an episode on this one. So I'll link to that if you guys want more of my thoughts on it. But is that sort of why you put it on your list?
1: That is definitely one of the reasons. And I I kind of have a struggle in, in like creating lists like this because there, there are multiple things that draw me to cinema I'm I'm a huge fan of like independent films and foreign films and the kind of films that get collected in the Criterion collection and uh, those have a certain you know prestige factor to them um and I enjoy those uh quite a lot and but I also enjoy you know action movies I enjoy superhero movies big budget franchise movies and so I wanted my list to kind of reflect all those different dimensions of things that I enjoy in cinema. So with Avengers, it was kind of not just the experience of those two films, but also the fact that it was a culmination of like a 15 year project that, uh, that I thought was incomparable and amazing, but into the spider verse, I was totally unprepared for how amazing that was. And like you said, what, what it did with so many different styles of animation and, uh, the success that it had, I I think is going to bleed into the next decade.
0: Yeah. It's definitely one of those movies that just instantly impacts you. And it's really hard to get a movie like that out of your head, which is why it ended up making my list. And I think, you know, I'll talk about my four and a half star movies here real quick, because a lot fell into this category by chance, because I, don't often give things five stars, but four and a half, I have Get Out, Mad Max Fury Road, which I just recently watched, Us, Logan, Knives Out, It, Eighth Grade, Tinker, Tailor, Soldier, Spy, and that's where Avengers Endgame falls for me. So you have this sense of you know, a lot of superhero movies and horror movies have made my list. And I think that's just because that's where my interests fall. You know, I have this podcast where I've covered all of the MCU movies this far, and then I have a Stephen King podcast. So, you know, of course it had to make the list because I really enjoyed that as part one of the remake to his long, long novel.
1: The, the one title that I, that stands out to me in this section of your list is, is knives out. I, I'm a huge Ryan Johnson fan. And if it were not for the self-imposed rule of one film per director, I would have put this on my list as well. He's, he's probably my favorite. Uh, one of if not my favorite, one of my top two filmmakers making movies this day, the film looper in 2012, I felt was one of the most underrated masterpieces of the decade. And, uh, When I did my top 10 list of my favorite films for 2012, uh, Looper was my favorite film of that year, but uh, I didn't include it in my list either because I have another Ryan Johnson film on my list. But Knives Out is just deliriously clever. And uh, it's not surprising that the studio has decided, hey, we want to make some more of these movies with you. Yeah,
0: and... Why don't you go ahead and run through your 10 through 6 as well? Because that's where some more overlap comes in too.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I had it 10th place. I had the Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, At number 9, I have the Social Network. Uh, At 8, I have Manchester by the Sea. At 7, I have Star Wars, The Last Jedi. And at 6, I have Boyhood.
0: I will admit that either The Force Awakens or The Last Jedi easily could have made my list, but I think it's one of those things where I haven't revisited those just yet. I didn't watch them again before The Rise of Skywalker came out, so I'm kind of wanting to just run through that entire saga again once The Rise of Skywalker is available on digital or Disney+, Plus, wherever they're going to put that, and then I can really sort of sort out my feelings on those movies because it's... Quite a roller coaster ride at the moment. Just still, even thinking about some of the stuff that happened in the rise of Skywalker.
1: Right. Yeah. The the Star Wars films are are, are kind of a, an argument uh, amongst themselves. Uh, in that in that chunk of films, the one that I would want to highlight for listeners, and uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to see it, but uh, at eighth place, Manchester by the Sea, I I. I kind of simultaneously recommend and don't recommend it. It's, it's a masterpiece. It's emotionally draining. Um, and it's extraordinarily sad. And if you're just not in the mood for sad, stay the hell away from this movie. But if you just happen to be in the right place for it, it's, it's got one of the best performances of the decade and it'll, it'll shake you to your core.
0: I'll go ahead and give my five-star movies now, which one, I will note, is a documentary. It is horror noir, and it's available on Shudder right now, so you can watch it there. I don't know if it's available anywhere else unless you physically or digitally purchase it, but aside from that, I have Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse in this category, along with Inception, Jojo Rabbit, Deadpool, and Toy Story 3. Like I said, I rarely give out five stars. So it's kind of a weird collection of movies here. And I think it just goes to show kind of what kind of movies I get excited about when I watch them. And Inception got the five stars on the rewatch from, you know, before recording this, since that was also one I hadn't rated. So I kind of I'm more inclined to give stuff like fours and four and a halfs unless it really hits me, and like I said with Into the Spider Verse, that certainly did.
1: I'm unfamiliar with this documentary horror noir. Could you could you tell us a little bit more about it?
0: Yeah, so it's a documentary that goes over the history of black actors in horror films. And it was just really enlightening and interesting to watch because you have all of these performances that, you know, maybe in 2020, you don't think twice about. And you always have the fact that, you know, horror tropes will kill off a certain gender or certain race first. And then you kind of have this final girl thing going on in horror. So it, it was just very interesting to get that look at the horror world and the role that black actors have played in horror for decades.
1: Cool. I will definitely have to check that one out.
0: Yeah. I highly recommend that for anyone who is remotely into horror movies. If you can watch that, definitely go do it, but time for you to give me your top five here.
1: So my top five, quite a diverse lot here, but, uh, in fifth place, I put the tree of life on number four, burning number three, Parasite. Number two, Sorry to Bother You. And my number one choice is one that you've already listed, Mad Max Fury Road.
0: Yeah. And I want to quickly note that Parasite is one that is on my radar. It's just a matter of me sitting down and watching it because where I moved to in Colorado, the theater that I go to doesn't necessarily get all of the foreign films or even some of the popular indie films that you'll see with trailers and everything all around the internet and TV. So it's hard for me to watch certain movies in theaters. So that was when I was kind of waiting for the digital release. And now that that date has come and gone, I should probably watch it soon.
1: Yeah, I I highly recommend that one. That that's a fantastic movie. And it just so happened when I I decided I was going to do this tribute video for the best films of the decade I had already started doing a lot of the preliminary breakdowns and sequencing the, the ranking to fit the music and make all of those choices. And the whole video took me about a month to put together. And I started uh, in early December and I started making it. And then I went with a friend of mine to go see Parasite and at the when we walked out of the theater the first thing i told him i said you know what i can't even properly evaluate this movie other than it's it's making me really mad right now because i'm gonna have to rethink my entire video because i have to include that even though it's a last minute entry past what i had considered the deadline it was it was just such a fantastic experience
0: yeah it's one i've been hearing so much about that i was like okay i have to find a way to watch this and Like I mentioned, sometimes that's hard to do in theaters, but thankfully it seems like they're releasing things digitally a little more quickly now than they have in the past. You know, Knives Out is already going to be out on digital, I think, by the time everyone's listening to this. So you have this opportunity to sort of catch up a little faster. Unfortunately, I didn't get to do so before the decade ended, but you know, February 2020, we're close enough, I guess.
1: I just saw in the news, I don't know how widespread it's going to be, but they're going to do a limited release of Parasite in a black and white version. And I'm, I'm very intrigued to see what that would be like.
0: Yeah, I saw that too recently. And a lot of movies will do that. In particular, Logan, which is on my list, released a black and white version. And I love the experience of having that option to watch it in a different light literally you know because you're not seeing things as they are filmed you're seeing them in sort of just this kind of two-tone and it gives you even more of this noir feel to it which is something that i enjoy but milton i want to open this up and let you discuss any specific movies on your list that maybe you wanted to talk about and we didn't touch on yet
1: i guess the only other one that i would really want to try to bring attention to is the one I've got at number four, Burning. In many ways, it, it, was, it was one of my favorite movie-going experiences of the decade because I went into it just completely blind. I had no idea what the genre was, what the story was. Um, I just knew that one of my favorite critics liked it. And the film itself is structured in such a, spontaneous fashion you in the early stages of the film you might get an expectation as to the trajectory of the story and even as to the genre of the story but then in the middle sections of the film your your perceptions of that will shift if you're lucky enough such as I was to have no idea what the film was like and so it has this sort of meandering, organic, just sort of effervescent, continuous uh, birthing of itself. Uh, and it was very lifelike and very, it felt very real and true because of that. And if there's any film on this list that I would uh, just, you know, pound on the table and say, give this one a chance. It might not be the kind of thing that you normally want to see. It's a Korean film. It's subtitled. It's definitely tied into a lot of contemporary issues and modern Korean culture that I'm sure major portions of went over my head, but it has one of the best performances of the year in a supporting role. Steve Yun from, uh, that people will recognize from the walking dead. Um, it's just it's just one of the stellar experiences of the year and, and i I have to pass along an anecdote uh when i w- when I saw it in the theater um the there's this nice lady sitting next to me, and when the credits started rolling, she just turned to me and she said, uh can you explain that to movie that movie to me? what happened I don't understand any of it
0: that's funny it's one I haven't seen, so I'll be sure to add that to my ever-growing list of movies to watch. But Milton, I think your video was fantastic. So I was happy to watch that and really get a sense of, you know, what kind of movies you're into. I know being a first-time guest on a podcast, you're kind of like, oh, are we actually going to have much in common (laughs) or anything like that? So it's always pleasant to see some overlap with lists that are as expansive as, you know something from an entire decade. But I know we've kept this pretty brief here and I'll link to any of the movies that we have listed that I've done separate episodes on in the show notes. And Milton, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you so much for having me and sorry to end up giving you so much more homework, but I I hope you'll enjoy most of them.
0: I love homework if it involves movies, books, comics, or TV. So, you know, that works for me. (laughs) Before we go, I quickly want to let you all know about our Patreon. You can support the podcast there for a dollar a month. You'll get a thank you on the show. You can also sign up. And if you contribute $5 a month, you'll get access to the Welcome to Geekdom Slack group. That'll give you access to myself and to some of the guests we've had on the podcast to talk about movies, TV, everything I just mentioned. And as always, you can find us on Twitter at GeekdomPod, and welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.